0: My name is Mayu, and I'm going to be talking to you about my twin boys and our journey with autism. Initially, when I wanted to have children, I was having a hard time conceiving, and so we decided to go the IVF route. At that point, I had two embryos implanted, and the pregnancy actually was was great. I had no issues; everything seemed to be fine, and uh, at which at about almost 38 weeks, which is great for having twins, I went in for a scheduled C-section. At that time, uh, the boys actually, one was about 7 pounds, 10 ounces, and the other one was about 6 pounds, 4 ounces, which is great, they were big for, for twins, and uh, everything seemed fine um, did not need the NICU at all, so that was a huge plus, and we were out of there within about five days, uh, so, you know, the boys were developing well, and we seemed to hit every milestone, at which, you know, they, they started to, you know, give me eye contact, they were smiling, they were babbling, they ate the, you know, the correct foods at the right times, and, They were not fussy about eating at all. I also uh, had great connection with them, and we'd laugh and play, and like I said, they hit their milestones. I mean, they were crawling and walking and running at the correct times. And so, you know, right about a little bit over a year old, we noticed that, you know, their speech wasn't developing as fast as uh, other kids. Um, and the thing is, is that I actually didn't have any other kids around. So we had just moved to Minnesota and my husband had assumed a position for his job there. And you know, I didn't know anyone with kids. Um, and so all my family and friends were actually in all different states and nobody was in Minnesota. So. I wasn't really around children a lot uh, to compare and they were both my first so uh, I had really nothing to compare to and my husband would say things like I don't know their, you know their speech should be uh, a little bit better at this point and I thought well they're boys and I've heard so much about boys being delayed when they talk you know girls speak at a faster uh, rate than boys and so I would tell him, you know, don't worry about it. This is our first, you know, you're, just, you're thinking too much into it and things like that. And actually, he's a physician. He's a hematologist, oncologist. Um, and he would say, I don't know, I don't know. And I would just tell him, you know, to stop being a worry worrywart and everything was going to be just fine. And I, we ended up putting them in kind of like a daycare slash school when they were Um, about I would say almost two and uh, they were about I think 18 months at the time and so we just wanted them to socialize with other children and to maybe pick up some speech and so we did and I remember the woman that was teaching those children uh, at the time was saying you know have you noticed that when I call your kids you know they don't respond or they don't look my way they kind of look the other way um, do they know their names and I said of course of course they know their names I call them all the time and they come to me all the time and so she kind of said well maybe I'm just overreacting or um, you know nitpicking at things so let's just give it you know a few more days and see if anything changes and so I went home and you know my husband asks me hey how did they do today and I said you know the funniest thing um the lady said that they weren't really responding to their names and they were kind of looking in a different direction when she would call them and he said see I told you something was going on and I said no they come to me all the time and of course I argued and I was so upset with him you know my kids are fine there's nothing wrong with my kids (laughs) and uh so anyway I ended up taking them back Uh, A few more times and sure enough she would say yeah I I mean I know you said that they respond to you but they really don't listen to me and needless to say it didn't work out at that daycare and I ended up just uh, not um, you know keeping them there and So we took them to the pediatrician and of course for their checkup and the pediatrician was, you know, gives you this form to fill out uh, to see if they've hit their milestones. How are they doing? Things like that. And so I proceeded to fill it out. And some of the questions were really kind of hard for me to answer because I thought this is interesting. Do they really do these things? For instance, eye contact, are they looking at me when I'm talking to them? Um, and so I you know I started kind of saying their names, hey, you know, look at me, look 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 and I noticed they weren't really looking and yeah, they would come to me, but it didn't necessarily coincide with me calling them per se. And so that was interesting because before that, they were coming to me when I would and you know, call them and uh I I tested it at home several times to see after that woman had mentioned it and it seemed like they were fine Um, and so it was kind of baffling to me why on earth did they all of a sudden change they weren't looking at me you know eye contact they weren't really talking Um, by that time children were supposed to have several words in their vocabulary my kids uh, one of them and, uh, you know, just to keep their names anonymous um, because they are minors and I just want to protect them. But I'm going to call uh, one of them L. And so L was actually speaking in little sentences. And he would say, like, I I go outside. I want this. Like, he would just say a few words. That was it. Where Z uh, didn't really talk at all. But he, he would kind of babble, you know. And I thought, that's interesting. You know, according to this paperwork, they should have already had more words in their vocabulary. And I had noticed that L had actually just stopped talking altogether. He was saying things before, and then it seemed as if like, almost like overnight. I mean, it was like maybe a two week thing where he just stopped talking and it was really baffling. And so, you know, I mentioned to the pediatrician that those were some concerns that I had them at a daycare and the woman had mentioned that the eye contact was a little scarce. Um, and she said, you know, I wouldn't worry about it too much right now because they're still little. They're not even two yet. And, you know, they're only at about, uh, 20 months and you still have some time. And she said, you know, my son was, uh, you know, at, uh, like 16 months and he wasn't really talking and I got really worried. And she said, you know, I had called uh, for help and um, I guess early intervention, she had made an appointment with them to come. And what they do is they bring speech therapists, occupational therapists, and they assess your child at home to see whether or not they need services. Um, And so they usually work with kids, you know, up to three years old. And then from three to five is a different set of people. Um, but they come in and they also help get ready, you know, get your children ready for school. So she said, you know, she's about two weeks out before they came to her house to assess her son. And all of a sudden her son just started talking. Um, and so she said, you know, don't worry about it. he'll be, They'll be fine. Just give them a few more months. And I thought to myself well that's interesting because her kid was younger than my two kids and she was really deeply concerned and I had already called early intervention my kids were a few months older and they still weren't talking but yet she wasn't concerned so I thought that was interesting and I went home and had this conversation with my husband and he said no he said absolutely not if she was that concerned for her own child and her child was younger than our kids. There's something wrong with this picture. And there's absolutely something going on and we definitely need to, you know, figure out what's happening with these children. I really think it might be autism. And I was just like, why do you keep saying that? And it would really upset me because I felt like he was kind of judging them. Um, on something that I had heard, I had talked to so many family members and friends and, oh, I know so-and-so whose son didn't talk till he was five and he's fine now. Or I don't, you know, I know a son that a boy or a girl that had talked, um, you know, when they were four, they're not even two yet. Like you need to relax. And so I would tell him all these stories and, you know, family members, uh, that would tell me about all these children they knew and they're fine. And he would just say, no. Nope, nope there's something completely different about this and so I had him talk to her on the phone uh and he had told her he said you know I just don't see how this is okay I mean you wanted to have your child assessed earlier than ours um luckily your child started to talk but ours have not even talked yet and so he said no I I really want to figure this out and in a way I lucked out that he was actually uh paying attention to what's going on because again this is the first time I've had children and uh so I was very thankful that you know he had an idea of what could possibly be going on but of course I was in denial there's nothing wrong with my kids and they're just delayed in speech and that's it because they were fine with everything else it didn't make sense how were they hitting all their milestones before and all of a sudden they just kind of stopped. It was just so baffling. And I'm sure a lot of you out there who have experienced autism can attest to exactly what I was feeling. Uh, It's just mind-boggling. And so at that point, you know, we had switched doctors and uh, we decided that we were going to go to a developmental pediatrician, which uh, will tell us, basically our next steps and so we went to a developmental pediatrician and she did an assessment and said you know yeah there is definitely something going on but in order to diagnose your kids with autism there are three different professionals that you have to see and we all have to sit together and agree on this and at that point I said okay and it was kind of scary because I was thinking I have no idea what autism is, I don't know much about it, didn't really know people with autism and so it's definitely my first rodeo. And she said, well you have to meet with a pediatric neurologist and you also have to meet with a psychologist and the three of us would sit down and go over all the data and uh, we'll decide whether or not your children are on the spectrum. In the meantime, Here are some forms and she just handed me a stack of paperwork where i remember i have two of them two kids so i had to go through all the paperwork for each child and these are very detailed questions i mean they ask you things about you know when each milestone was hit when did your child crawl when did your child walk when did they eat when did they say their first words how many words do they have i mean there were so many things that I had to sit down and think for each child when it actually occurred for them, whether or not it did or not, you know? And so, as I started going through the different questionnaires, I was realizing there was so much they were not doing. And that was very sobering. Uh, that's when I realized, okay, maybe they're just delayed and doesn't mean that they have autism, maybe I just need to up my auntie and teach them a little bit more and I mean it was just denial 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 because I couldn't believe that that would happen and especially to two two different children you know they were actually paternal twins they're not identical um and so I thought what's the likelihood of that happening and so anyway we did all the questions and everything um The problem with getting a diagnosis for autism is a lot of places have waiting lists, and it could be up to a year, sometimes even more. Um, But if you suspect that your child is, you know, possibly on the spectrum, you're noticing that one of the very first signs is the no eye contact, not responding to their name, Um, and they kind of zone out. You know, uh, you'll realize they're just kind of staring into the air. They might have a little bit of speech and then lose it just like l did and uh so if you're seeing those things and your pediatrician is telling you oh you know just wait and if it's supposed to be at a time when they should really be doing those things that is definitely a red flag and i'm so glad that my husband was there to point that out because i would have just trusted my pediatrician and so you need to be careful because not all pediatricians are uh you know, paying attention and you out of all people will know your children more than anyone. So make sure that, you know, you're watching the development of the child, especially early on. And if you actually have a child that's under three and you're trying to get diagnosis, you'll get in a lot earlier to get that diagnosis than people who have children that are over three. Uh, They tend to try to get the kids that are under three because the earlier the intervention, the most likely you'll have a better outcome with autism. So what I mean by that is they'll get therapies on board like behavioral therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, whichever that your child needs. Um, If they can do that before three, then it's great because you end up programming your child's brain as it's pruning Uh, you wanna do it before it's done pruning. And what that means is that, you know, the brain has branches and those branches in the brain that um, are used to do certain tasks or certain things, um, if they're not being used, then they're pruned, which means they're cut off, um, just like you cut off dead parts of a plant, for instance. Um, And so then it's really hard to get the child to learn some of those tasks uh, later on and so they found in studies that if you are able to catch the child earlier than like three or earlier it's great because you know you'll have a better outcome that doesn't mean that you're not gonna have a good outcome after that but i'm just saying that this is what was found in research and so if you're going to get diagnosis for your children um, you'll probably get in a lot faster if your child is under three than if your child is over three. And so, uh, you know, I wanted to go to the University of Minnesota and they told me it was about a nine month to a year wait. And I thought, oh, my gosh, they're almost two. And if I wait that long, they're going to be over three uh, or, you know, at least three or over. And I thought, how am I going to get early intervention in there if if in fact they do have autism? and so i ended up going to a local um autism clinic instead of uh, because i was about three hours away from minneapolis so that was far and i decided to just go locally and i was able to get in in a couple of months which was really nice and so i had to see the developmental pediatrician the pediatric neurologist and the psychologist um and i you know saw them individually and they all three after reading all of my, you know, paperwork and questionnaires, and actually physically seeing the children and spending a little bit of time with them, were able to diagnose my kids with autism. And I'll never forget that day, uh, I had to take each child, of course, individually, so that they could spend some time with them. And when they first told me about the first child having autism, it just you just can't believe it I mean I felt like my whole world came crashing down and I know some of you out there can relate to how I feel um I just couldn't believe it was happening it was surreal I had to drive home with my child and the whole way home I'm thinking I'm just in a fog I'm just like I hope I get home because this is just horrible and I started thinking about all the things that you know my children were going to go through although at that point, you know, I, like I said, I hadn't experienced autism that much. And so I was reading about it and I'll never forget the first search I did on autism. Uh, it said, you know, oh, the dreaded a word. And I thought, well, why is it so dreaded? Um, what's horrible about autism? And then, you know, I started researching um, and started seeing videos and stories. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is this is gonna be a hard life. And of course, you start assuming the worst because you have no idea what's gonna happen. It's a spectrum. So as your child develops, then you get a more solid answer as to where they fall on the spectrum. Um, and with both of my boys, they were both diagnosed as moderate because they both had speech difficulties um although they were pretty bright and they they you know they were doing well in many categories but the speech deficit was huge and uh l seemed to be you know obviously he lost complete speech so he just was making noises to communicate he didn't know any sign language or any way of communicating and so you know, it was hard for him, he would cry a lot, because he didn't know how to tell me what he wanted, and it was just a guessing game, and uh, Z wasn't talking at all either, so, but he seemed to be the calmer one of the two, and he would always, just like, if I put him down, he would stay down, he wouldn't crawl around, and uh, the you know, where L was all over the place, and so, you know, going back to understanding autism, I started reading so much, and It was nice to see people share their stories of good outcomes and you know telling you what they did and how you know certain things might work for me and not work for you and certain things might work for you and not work for me it's a spectrum you don't know what's gonna happen but you try and so I thought my gosh like initially I was terrified because I didn't know what was gonna happen and the worry that you feel is just spectacular. But then I started learning more and more about autism, and I thought, okay, I am going to set myself up and I'm going to battle this. I'm going to do everything in my power to help my kids overcome this. And, you know, I'd read online that 25% of kids um, can actually get off the spectrum at some point. Um, and, you know, a little bit over 50%, I guess, will stay nonverbal for the rest of their lives. And some develop speech completely. And some might develop speech where they're only speaking in short sentences. And some develop speech where they're only saying one word, um, one word sentences, but it wasn't completely grim. And I held on to that. And I thought, I'm gonna do everything in my power to get my kids to where they need to get. And so I had no time to grieve. My My thing was, I gotta help them and I don't have time and the clock is ticking and that's what I wanted to do. And so at that point, um, as soon as I found out their diagnosis, because we had already started speech therapy, you can start speech therapy and occupational therapy um, whenever you want, but behavioral therapy in order for insurance or for actual behavioral therapy to come to your house um, you need to have the children officially diagnosed with autism and so that's what um i was waiting for and as soon as i got that diagnosis i was able to get in with behavioral therapy now that's another thing behavioral therapy tends to have a lot of waiting lists depending on your area so uh you know, some of them had waiting lists for over a year. And I thought, Oh, my gosh, again, I cannot wait on this. And so I was lucky enough to find a program where um they would come to my house, and they would basically teach my kids, uh, you know, not only like behavior, but they would teach them how to sit how to learn. Uh, They went through you know, how to learn how to match, learn how to add, learn how to say certain things, um, sign language. I mean, there was so much to it and I had no clue uh, until they started coming to my house and they were teaching me things. Um, and then I would take them to speech therapy uh, where... Of course therapists were amazing and they they taught me what to do uh, so when we'd go home we'd practice we were practicing in the car we were practicing at home at the park I mean it was constant in occupational therapy you know I knew nothing about uh, but they teach you you know your kids how to have like a good fine motor and gross motor skills so that, you know, they can run and balance, they can actually pick up a pencil and write correctly, um, things like that. And, you know, because a lot of children on the spectrum uh, have sensory issues. And what that means is, uh, basically, any stimuli could possibly, you know, upset them. I was lucky enough that noise light sound things like that did not bother my kids um where others i know do have a lot of issues with that and i could cover that in another podcast but basically i just wanted to talk to you today about the initial diagnosis and what is needed for it and uh to basically let people out there know that you're not alone um I felt very alone when it first happened because like I said, I didn't know anyone with autism and it's crazy for me to even say that because now it's one in 39 children have autism. So at this point, you know, you've got to know somebody that's been diagnosed with autism or has a child or cousin or sister. Um, and it's predominantly boys. So, It was quite interesting uh, to see it all unfold. And like I said, I got busy with how to make them successful. And so that's basically where I am today. Uh, And I will share more with you in the next upcoming podcast on how busy I got and how I went to work in helping my kids be successful. Thank you so much for joining me in today and have a great night.